Welcome to the Aging Gracefully Podcast. I'm Janae Anderson. And I'm Mary Thompson. Join us as we explore the myths, beliefs, and realities of aging to empower each of us to thrive on all levels every moment of our lives. Hi, this is Mary. You know, the name of our podcast is Aging Gracefully, and it seems to me like a lot of times we're talking about what you need to do to age more gracefully. And today I'd just like to admit and remind everybody we're, we're aging gracefully over here too, or maybe we're just aging some of the times. Maybe it's not always quite so graceful. And recently something came up and we thought it would, we'd like to talk about it in a podcast because we want to be real about, we go through stuff too. And it's not, I think for me, when I think about aging gracefully, it's not never having these issues. It's how do we navigate them? And how do we reach out for help and support? And how do we get our needs met? So, Janae, I'd like to invite you into the conversation. Hi, Mary. <laughs> Hi. I know from my understanding, something came up during your trip to Australia, but I think it probably had been coming up before that. And do you want to talk about what's been going on with you? Yeah, well, I've complained in some podcasts about various aches and pains in Australia, um, it came up big time. Um, I was in a lot of pain and I was so, so tired. And, you know, when you're in a foreign country, it often involves walking a lot. We didn't rent a car, so the plan was to do a lot of walking. And I ended up doing a lot of crying. Oh. I was so tired and so um, unable to keep up the way mm -hmm. I wanted to. Was it like muscular pain, joint pain? What kind of pain are we talking? Joint pain and nerve pain. Nerve pain. I hate nerve pain. Right. It's like, it's unpredictable. It's really hard to be meditative on it because it's moving around all the time. Right. So it was it was very, very hard for me to take. Mm -hmm. I think I spent the last couple days of New Zealand just in bed, just crying. Oh. Yeah, and came home and pretty much in the same state. Um, my husband, Roderick, stayed in New Zealand for three weeks. He had things he needed to attend to. And my our 15-year-old, Kai, came with me. So he kind of, he got to watch mom crumble. Oh, that's it, so hard. It was very hard. I fell into a depression. I fell into a really deep depression. And I hadn't been in one in a very, very long time. But, wow, it was so hard um just the pain and you know when you're when you're in that much pain you start to do catastrophic thinking it's never going to get any better this is my life from now on and and then the question came up for me well why would i want to live if this is my life from now on and right. so i sat there and pondered suicide sometimes um it was just a really hard time I think one of the things that comes up for me, too, is this concept of being away from home and not feeling good and having it be such an, oh, so many people being bearing witness to it. Yes, especially my in-laws. Right. You know, oh, I'm, my gosh. Like, there's no judgments there. Right. <laughs> the image I've always projected, both here and there, is that I'm fit and I'm flexible and I have energy. And mm -hmm. I just had to, like, completely melt down in front of them and say, I can't do this and I can't do that. And mm -hmm. it was a really hard time. Yeah. What I did right 
during the the worst time when I when I just got home was I reached out to a couple people. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to isolate oh, when you're depressed. But you were one of them, Mary, and um, I, mm-hmm. I let you see my my total state of uh, despair. Yeah. And you responded with soup and love and, you know, it really soup meant a lot. <laughs> At that point, it totally was love. And I was not eating, you know, right. I, I didn't have the energy to make food and nothing mm. looked good anyway. So between you and another friend, you guys kind of kept me alive during the hardest time. Mm-hmm. Oof, yeah. since, since then, I have, um, well, we've discovered that I'm anemic. Because I've been eating mostly vegetarian, like a really healthy person for 40 years. Right. And now I'm low on iron. So I've been um, incorporating meat daily into my diet and Mm -hmm. taking iron supplements. I've got a cast iron pan that I cook from. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's helping a lot. It's helping my energy so much. A lot of the pain has dissipated, but I'm still dealing with it. The jury is still out and there's more going on and we don't know what it is. One thing I get from what you just said, though, is like that being able to look at our lives and our thinking and not be too dogmatic and be open to different approaches that I imagine that 15 years ago, if someone had said there was this problem, they might have gone, no, I can't. It's I'm not going to be looking at that. And now it's like, OK, well, let's examine that and see what I can do. And not saying you'll always keep meat in the diet, but maybe, you know, at least for now, where you're trying to build up those iron stores. It's like somebody said when I talked to her about it. She said, the older we get, the less purist we can be. (laughs) (laughs) It's avoid fundamentalism in all things, even fundamentalism. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, it's been a big letting go Mm -hmm. of a lot of my identity, you know, who I am. I eat vegetarian. What I do, I I walk, I do yoga, you know, a lot of letting go. Right, because those things that we put our identity onto this is who I am and then you have that feeling of well who am I if I'm not that yeah what happens when I let go of that yeah and this is I am in the process of exploration I don't know who I am Mm -hmm. and it feels like a really important time Mm -hmm. important time to mostly because I don't have a lot of choice to just rest a lot and be quiet and reflect And I'm trying not to fill that time with too many movies or books or whatever, but really just to sit and look out the window, you know, and watch the rain and, and be, Mm -hmm. it's not always easy, but there is a part of my soul that is going at last, (laughs) finally, I got your attention. So Mm -hmm. I'm doing that. And that is a really lovely experience. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to some other go. I know it's a tender spot, but you had mentioned that getting to that point of, I just don't want to be here. What brought you through that? What, how, what did you do? Because I'd imagine many of us get to that point, whether it's with pain or depression or grief, things come up and it's so hard to be here. So what do you think got you through that onto the other side of it? Well, or, or maybe don't to, feel like you're on the other no, side. No, to be really honest, I am on the other side, but it, the, the process was like this. Um, I mean, I pondered it and it was like, well, if I'm going to do it, it has to be a sure thing. So jumping off the roof, not a sure thing. Even cutting the wrists, I don't think I could do that. Not a sure thing. Mm -hmm. Pills, not a sure thing. 
So the only thing I could come up with was a gun, and we didn't have a gun. Oh, okay. So when I when I uh, talked to Roderick about this at a later date, I said, let's never get a gun. 65 people a day commit suicide with a gun. Okay. The suicide rate with guns is exponentially higher than the homicide rate. It's like suicides and accidents beat out homicides. So it's you bring up a really good point there. Not that we're not that we're going to make it political and talk about gun gun laws, but it does bring up a really good point. If I don't have the means with which to harm myself, then I am less likely to harm myself. That's what it was for me. If we had had that gun, I wouldn't be here talking to you, to wow. be honest. Wow. And so I knew that I was going to have to say something about all of this on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And it'd been, it, it was kind of building up for two or three weeks. I didn't know how it was going to come out. I just knew that it was going to. And then it did. And I wrote about how, as I'm continuing to improve, these are the revelations that I've had. And one of them was the thing about keeping a gun in the house. Wow, it's been so interesting. People are really scared of suicide. Well, yeah, because we it's so, it is frightening, but it's also heartbreaking. Because yes. I think so many of us think if we knew we could have shown up, we could have done something. And I think it's the ultimate, you couldn't do anything. That helpless feeling. Right. I suppose it is. And what, what's really struck me since that Facebook post is how many people have contacted me privately, not on the post, not commenting. A couple people were brave and said, I too have been there. I too have had those feelings, but mostly privately contacted me and said, whoa, I'm really going through something too. I can really relate. Or I've been in chronic pain for two years, even though you have no idea. And I too have thought about doing that and so like it's just been such a curiosity to me that we can't be real in our culture mm -hmm. right and the thing I mentioned to you earlier when we were talking is like this concept of I'm it's a shame I'm pain is shame as I'm gonna hide it from you I need to pretend that I don't have this pain I need to behave as if I don't have this pain but the pain's there and so it becomes this this little secret that I'm keeping, but it's why, what do you, do you have anything with that with why you might've felt shame? I guess maybe a part of your identity was in being fit and healthy and Absol looking pain-free. Yeah. And one of my friends who, who has reached out to me recently was talking about how she, she was teaching classes and, um, the effort of having to walk into the classroom because she too has chronic pain, having to walk into the classroom, sit down and teach, and then walk back without using a wheelchair, which she would use when no one was looking, was so, got to be so hard and the pain got to be so huge that she just stopped teaching rather than... Rather than own that I'm in pain, yeah, that I have neuralgia or I have muscle pain, joint pain, inflammation, whatever. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, even the word disability, it's like you no longer have an ability. <laughs> That's true. There's no, there's no good words. No, I, mean, I have heard differently able. Right. Certainly better than disable. Mm -hmm. But with this one, would you say that you felt disabled? 
Is yes. that a term that you would that you would think I of for do yourself? Feel disabled. I mean, mm-hmm. I can I move slowly. Uh, my knee is really painful, which makes my whole leg hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say I'm somewhat disabled right now. Yeah, I don't and like that. No. I don't like it at all. No, you don't have the placard. You don't get any. You don't get any <laughs> benefits out of it. There's because no at this point, it's perhaps temporary. Right. Yeah, I just don't know. Right. And so they don't, they can't find any place to hang the diagnosis. They're just kind of saying that you have a diagnosis of pain. Anemia. Anemia. Um, and we're still looking. Okay. We're still running tests. I can't tell you how many times I've been poked and prodded. Yeah. Um, and I'm starting physical therapy in January. So just keep moving in different directions. Mm-hmm. So other than looking at uh, increasing um, foods in the diet that might offset some underlying problem, and physical therapy. Are there other things that you found that have brought you relief? I went to see a shaman. Okay, good. It was amazing. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. I was very in touch with my energy body, and he um, he did some work on me and, and said that every one of my chakras was shut down, and he got them all spinning again, and I could feel it energetically. I just felt so much better. Hmm. It was really interesting. That is interesting. And he pointed out, and this applies to all of us, that at this phase in our life, it's where we're sort of determining what the next phase of our lives will be. Mm-hmm. And for me, it, right now, it's an important time to, to have more quiet time and more reflective time and feel into it. Mm-hmm. Not figure it out in the rational mind, but feel into it in, in that more intuitive side. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. What comes up for me while you're talking is thinking about it's a it's a blessing that your son is 15 is what I have found having a 17 year old is they're they're a little bit more self reliant they they start to do things this is a time in your life when you could indulge in more quiet whereas when he was younger it would you would have had to force yourself to be in situations and be more active possibly. Yeah, honestly, I think my body was just waiting for this time when it could collapse. And what, it is. What, what a kind thing your body did for you. Wait until now. <laughs> yes, very kind indeed. Yeah, I mean, I I do think that if, if we were, you know, 100 feet above looking down, it would be like, oh, yeah, right, this is perfect. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't always feel, feel perfect. And sometimes right. the pain wakes me up at night. And oh. I hear myself moaning and groaning in my sleep just from the pain of it. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, I feel the gloriousness of stopping. Mm-hmm. To be able to get that time to recharge your batteries. Yeah, and my batteries are pretty dang depleted. Yeah. It's life, you know, and I think that's, for me, that's one thing I really want to mention to people that are listening. It's something that I think is big for all of us as we age is we're paying the price for things we've done, I guess. And maybe that sounds too dire, but it's that we have, we're the sum total of all of our experiences, of all of our input, of all of those things that have happened to us and things that we have jumped willingly into and now we get to be reflective of it in the best case scenario we're able to navigate it with a minimum of pain in the worst case scenario we've got a maximum of pain and we don't know which will be our lot right but I think pain is kind of always there you know you mean at this age at this age that more more pain comes up if we you know we might feel pain in a joint or something our body responds differently to cold um 
I think it's a really common symptom. And if we equate pain and shame, we're, it's, we're silent about it and we're suffering silently when maybe we don't need to be. Maybe there would be with when people reached out to you on Facebook, there is a sense of lightening probably of the pain. Maybe not the intensity, maybe not the pain itself, but feeling it's a shared experience. Yeah, definitely that. I think this world is so hungry, starved for authenticity. And for somebody to speak out and just say, hey, struggling, yeah, I think it's huge for everybody. Yeah. And I felt that when I wrote the post, that this is not just for Janae here. Right. This is, this is for everybody. And then if I could talk about Facebook for just a moment, usually the posts on there are going to be some supercharged reality where there is no pain, there is no fear, there is no anger or sadness. It's only good times all the time. It's illusion. It's right. all illusion. And it's the idea that someone else's life is so much better. No one else is experiencing the pain I'm experiencing. So um, I think there's there's a part of that that I really applaud you for getting out there and being willing to share something that wasn't candy-coated. Thank you very much. It took courage. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what people are saying when they reach out to me privately is that they're commenting on how brave I was. I think it's sad that that's considered courageous yeah. just to be real. Mm -hmm. I, if, if I had my magic wand, I would wave it and have everybody who's going through stuff post about it on Facebook, not because I'm a downer, but because think of how much more we could support each other. Right. Well, I think this is where the bravery comes, is the number of people that I read on the post who want to tell you how to fix it, or want to, you know, you should do this, or you should do that. Um, and then again, it just kind of is a way to silence the person who's sharing. And I think those people that responded with, I hear you, and I'm sorry, and is there anything I can do, kind of thing, that's going to be a whole different level of connection and response. But I see the world, because I think one of the key words that you had there was connection. You know, be able to connect with people in a way. There's authenticity, my being able to share myself, but then it leads to a greater connection with somebody where we have this face-to-face -face interaction or this text-to-text -text interaction. And I think we're lacking that in so many ways. I agree. So I think it's a heart pain that's, that happens too. Yes. The, the lack of really feeling connected is a huge what do you say, a huge heartache in our society right now. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's why we can't, we don't feel free to be really authentic. Because if I'm connected with someone, I can say to them, hey, I'm going through something hard and I can have some kind of connection back that's going to be positive. And when I'm, when I'm not connected with people, when I'm having that connection through the internet or some other way, they feel free to ridicule and to... Um, condemn and to blame and to shut down and that's you know I don't think I saw a lot of that in your post no, but I, I see didn't. it but I see it in some some posts when someone will share something yeah. that's important to them and it something will happen I think but when we have that connection we don't do that because we come from a space of knowing the person loving the person and wanting to respond in yeah, a positive light that's interesting because I I thought that maybe I would hear from some haters because mm -hmm. there are haters out there and um Yet the very posting of my my revelation, if you will, or yeah, revealing, was it, it led to a feeling of invulnerability. 
being that real it was like well this is who i am and yeah there's one person a, a relative who's really really worried that i'm going to off myself every yes. day she's worried and and writes about it and i instead of taking that on myself i'm like fascinated that she would do that it's like really that's how you feel you're really worried every day that i'm going to off myself and right. and so rather than taking it on myself i'm i'm looking at it over there which is where it belongs mm -hmm. well i think and when it's our secret all we can do is take it keep our own counsel and then we've got that that crazy talk right the crazy talk going on inside when it comes out it's like oh, okay well it doesn't seem so it doesn't seem so huge I think so. Mm -hmm. I would like to share a couple of revelations that oh, I last year. Yeah, I did post those on my Facebook um, page, which was that one. One of them was that when you're really, really down, even the teeniest act of kindness can mean so much. And the example I used was that going into a public bathroom and a woman holding open the stall door as she exited and I entered and just a moment of eye contact. Even that was such a lift for me. It was incredible. So, so never doubt your acts of kindness, no matter how big or how small. Mm -hmm. they, can, they can create an incredible ripple. Right. I think you'd be kind. It's kindness and when you're met with someone who's unkind, realizing that they may be in pain, they may be suffering, and you could be that that ray of sunshine. You're really good at that, Mary. Oh, thank That's you. That's not my forte. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always think someone's having a bad day. <laughs> if I'm doing a course and someone, if I'm doing a little class and someone has to leave in the middle of it, or if they, if they choose to get up and leave in the middle of my talking, I always assume they've got gastric distress. It's never anything I did, you know. But or if I, someone cuts you off on the freeway, you always assume they're they're late for the they're hospital. They're late for the hospital, yeah. yes. <laughs> And so there's that, but I think, you know, it's the minor things. It's like at the grocery store when someone's in front of you and just frustrating you to breathe and think of how could I, how could I choose kindness in the moment? Yeah. Because maybe someone's in pain like Janae and we want we don't want them to feel alone. Good point. And Mr. Rogers, I'm a huge fan of Mr. Rogers. Do you yeah. like Mr. Rogers? Oh, who doesn't like Mr. Rogers? <laughs> there are a few people. But one of the things he says, and I'm paraphrasing, but that any experience in the human realm is mentionable. And if it's mentionable, it's manageable. Oh. And if we're not mentioning it, then we're not able to manage it. Mm -hmm. So what I would say is share. Yeah. Share, even if it's just with a friend or two. Mm-hmm. So you're getting that information out there. Were there any other revelations that you had? Yes. When someone is deeply depressed, it's really, really hard to ask for help. So I, when I mentioned it to a few people, I needed them to be proactive in jumping in. Mm -hmm. um, I needed you, which you did do, to say, well, I'm going to make you some food and bring it over. Um, I've, I had people say, well, let me know if there's anything I can do. I don't do that. You don't right. do that when you're deep in depression. You need to say, I'm going to the store and I'm going to pick up some things for you. What do you want? Mm -hmm. you know? And for me, you know, my house was messy because I was way too tired to clean it up and I didn't want to let people in. Right. And my, my brother offered to come look after me for a week and I was like, oh, the guest room is such a mess and I just, I couldn't do it. So... I don't know. Uh, if you're going to help a person, you can say, would you prefer I come in or just leave the stuff at the door? 
-hmm. And yeah, just come up with how you're going to help. And if somebody says, hey, I'm struggling, most of us feel really vulnerable and don't want to share that. So if somebody shares that, really move on it. it it's probably a really big deal. Mm -hmm. That's really that's really good news, really good advice. Uh, the thing I think of from a giving standpoint is for the person also to think about what are their parameters. When I say what's something you need and you tell me I need to get my car washed and I think, I don't want to wash your car. <laughs> You know, it's like, it's, but so if somebody says, you know, I'd like to do something for you, like I could wash your car, I could vacuum your living room, I could do whatever, maybe naming the things you'd be willing to do and the person then could choose because they're not feeling like they're reaching out and pulling something out of you that you don't want to do. That would be incredibly helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, name the things. Name the things. What, are, what is it that you as a, as a giver want to do? It reminds me to something, this was an article I read that had to do with people with cancer, but I think it is in this situation as well, which was they called it circles of sharing. So the person who is in trauma, whether that's a disease or depression, they're at the center of the circle and then surrounding them are their closest friends, family, and they want, they want to share support in, but if they want to complain, they complain to each other or they complain to other people. They don't complain to the person who is already struggling just to stay present focused. Um, and then there's the next circle, which are the, the outside circle of friends. And so it's, again, they share in, how's everything going for you? Is there any, like to your husband or to your friends that are making food, is there any help or support that you need? But if they want to complain about anything, they complain out. Because while the person is in that state, um, whether it's depression or illness, they can't handle your feelings about what they're going through. It's very true. They, in fact, they, they can't handle anything that's hard. Mm -hmm. Do you remember we, we FaceTimed because I was too depressed to meet face to face. Right. And I told you that I'd opened up, oh gosh, getting emotional. I'd opened up Time Magazine and read that 55 elephants had died in a drought and I started crying. Right. And you told me I couldn't listen to news or read news. <laughs> See, and that was, I'm a big shit. <laughs> but I needed to hear that. Mm -hmm. And I've stopped, you know, every now and then since I'm feeling a bit better, I might dabble just out of curiosity. But 98%, I'm not listening to it right now because I just can't. I need yeah. to just look after myself. Right. And so then we want to give you support to do that. Yeah. And then if we have issues with it, like, oh, uh, how's this going to work? We can grouse to each other or we grouse to lower outer circles. Yes, please. But it's it really struck me. Someone gave me the article when a friend was um, going through cancer. She came across it and it was such helpful information because, you know, she found people were saying, you know, you're just not as much fun since your husband has cancer. And it was like, <laughs> oh, I can't deal with this. Um you know, so it's kind of that idea. And I think it applies really well in this situation is offer support. As, you know, and, and offer it in ways that you feel comfortable offering it. If you're not a person who can be comfortable sitting and listening to someone cry, then don't offer to be that person. But if you, maybe you can do something else, like you can wash their car, whatever the thing is that, that you feel compelled to do. Because I'm one of those people that I can sit with people while they cry. That's not a, not a problem for me. And I, and I love being that person. And I don't want to wash cars. So it's like there's certainly is a, a role for every person if they want to help. There's so much is. Mm -hmm. 
The other thing I would say about this whole process is that it's been incredibly humbling. Mm. I've, I've been graced with so much health and uh, energy and throughout my lifetime and having to realize that this, this is my turn. It's my turn to need help, to need support. It's, it's been incredibly humbling. And I, I would say that every one of us, it would do well if we all open to the fact that sooner or later it's going to be our turn. Yeah. Liz, that line, it's you today, it's me tomorrow. You know, that <laughs> yes. there's if I can give help to you, then tomorrow when it's my day, someone, whether it's you or someone else. Right. And I can also learn by your example of reaching out, being vulnerable, be, being authentic, um, and accepting help. I hope so. It's, um, it's not an easy path, but it's the best path because without mm -hmm. that support, you, you can't make it. Mm-hmm. That's true. And with that support, you can. Good. So it may be that we'll take a little hiatus that we may not be recording as frequently. However, you guys know that I'm not really great at posting things on a regular weekly basis. We'll um, do our best. We'll do our best. And so if you don't hear from us for a little bit of time, don't think it's dire. It's us taking care of ourselves. And of course, the holidays are coming up for us right now. So there could be a couple of weeks that you won't hear from us. But Trust that we're on the other side. We are at least close to the other side. That's great. That's great. And hopefully we'll hear more about how the pain is improving or that you're being found new and different tools to deal with it. And I think that would be great to share too. So do I. Stay tuned. Okay. Thank you everyone for listening. This is Mary Thompson. Thanking Janae for your authenticity today and vulnerability. And this is Mary Thompson signing off. Thank you. And Janae Anderson also signing off.